You're listening to episode 20 of the We Get the Runs podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about body image and running buff. Welcome to the We Get the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey, runners. Welcome back, Angela. Thank you. How are you doing, Letty? I'm doing great. How have you been? I've been good, you know, studying away, getting ready for the exam in December, but how about you? Been good as well. Not stunning for anything. I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> That's awesome. You've gotten that all done. It's out of the way. Out of the way and never again. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So even though you've been busy, have you been running? And how are you feeling? I know you had some problems with your shin and uh, your foot before. Yes, definitely running. Of course, it's you know keep what's what keeps me sane. Um, but I changed my shoes. I changed to these Sauconies, and I've been running great. No issues, no pains. So you think that was all related to your footwear? I think so. I th- I don't think the the shoe was tight enough in my ankle, and I think that's what was causing the the shin into the ankle and foot pain. I really hope that you're right. And I hope so too. <laughs> I think we should have a, a shoe podcast. Um, just because I know there's so many different shoes, so many different brands, and uh, maybe we can learn something. Yeah, maybe we can find like a shoe expert. Shoe expert that can test our feet and um, see if we pronate or not. I know I overpronate. I have no idea what I do, but I'm... Really? You don't know? No, I think I'm neutral. I think uh, I did go when I first started running out into a shoe store and... They tested something and said something about neutral, but it's such tested a blur. something and did something. <laughs> well, I know I had Let, to you think. can tell Letty pays a lot of attention. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm soaking everything up. I'm like, okay, what'd you do there? How'd you do that? And I ask all the questions. You should hear me when I get a massage. I'm like, was that muscle tighter? I ask all. Are you serious? Wow. I want to know everything. <laughs> I don't want to know anything. I'm always like, okay, let's um, all be quiet. Turn on the lavender smell and <laughs> let's get to it and let me sleep away. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, no, I don't question experts. I just let them do their thing. Um, I question everything. Well, I mean, I guess I question in a way, like, if I feel like it's a value. But if he told me my foot's neutral, yeah, then, yeah. then I need to just get neutral shoes or I can run barefoot. Right, but I don't really need to. <laughs> or I can run barefoot. I don't really need to like figure out different shoes and which ones have what kind of um, grade level of going down. The heel drop. You're saying heel drop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, because they'll test. They'll they'll watch your stride. They'll watch how your foot lands, um, and then they're gonna look at. How, like they'll be able to determine your arch, yeah, yeah. You know, if you have that higher, I have a high arch, and that's what has to do with why I overpronate. Oh, okay. So I have a high arch, and but you don't. You're neutral. I I don't know. I think I'm neutral. Okay, so shoe expert, if you're out anyway, there, contact us. <laughs> yes, please. Obviously, we have a lot of questions. We need some help. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're gonna read you one of our five star iTunes reviews, and this one comes from Cobra Wit. 
motivating. I wasn't much for running before and honestly found it a bit boring, but this podcast really is motivating and it's actually got me out hitting the trails more often now. Highly recommend. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you, Cobra Wit, for leaving this review. And if you guys want to leave us a review on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it because this helps our rating and we can be found easier by other runners. And we'll share it. So thanks. Yes. All right, Angela, so what are we going to talk about today? So today we are going to be talking about body image and running at a higher weight, specifically higher muscle mass. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so topic is body image and running at a higher weight, and then we have somebody that we're interviewing today. Yes, so we're going to be interviewing Patrick Cutter, and Patrick Cutter is 5'10", he's at 180 to 185 pounds, and he runs a, his PR is a 235 marathon and a 113 half marathon, which is insane for that, that weight. All right, so let's play Patrick's interview. So I'm here with Patrick Cutter. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, and um, how you came to find running? Um, I'm 31 years old. I'm from uh, Rochester, New York. It's uh, upstate. It's not from New York City. Everyone thinks that you're from New York. You're from the city, and it's not true. So I've um, been here my whole life. Uh, I used to work for a warehouse. I did that for about seven years. And um, about two years ago, I was asked to be a, um, a coach with a McCurdy trained uh, run company. And that's my full-time gig I do now. And I coach runners all over the US, all over the world. I got athletes in Australia. I've had them in Italy, um, have one in uh, India. So they're all spread out. And it's, uh, it's really cool to uh, work with different people. Um, different age groups, different abilities from all over the world. So um, as far as a runner, um, I didn't run high school. I was a, a sprinter. Um, I didn't do any sort of long distance. I was a 200-meter, 400-meter guy, and I hated anything longer than, you know, two laps on the track. And I remember one time my coach put me in uh, the 1,000-meter race, and I told him he was nuts because I thought, how can you run for this long? You know, because you're a 200 guy, I mean, you're running just – you know, 200 meters is not much. So I did that and I'm like, so long, but now I'm doing like marathons and it's like you're running 42 of those really. So, um, yeah, I've been a runner. Uh, I got into some marathons back in uh, 2012. That was my first uh, marathon. Um, I did one half before that. And then, uh, I ran like 311, my first marathon. And, um, it was in uh, Canada it was my first, it was the Hamilton marathon in Canada. And, I was going to do one, qualify for Boston, and then call it a day. And then, um, but I, I did one, and it's like you get addicted to them. And then, like, I did my next one, I qualified for Boston uh, Marathon. And then I've done 22 marathons now. So now I'm, uh, I'm all in with the, the marathon life. 
How did that happen? How did you go from not wanting to run a few laps to um, all of a sudden doing even just a half marathon, which is much lengthier than, you know, a couple 800s? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really a competitive person and I love like uh, challenges and things like that. So when I graduated from high school, I didn't have that, um, you know, the competition uh, aspect of my life anymore. You know, I was a football player, played basketball and, you know, I didn't uh, play in college. So um, my, my uh, college didn't have football. So and I wasn't good enough to make the basketball team. So I was missing that competitive um, aspect. So I just started running back in the summer of like 2012. And I was just like, I went out for you know three mile run and then that turned into five miles. And then, you know, I did seven or eight miles and then and I was clipping along at like seven thirty eight minute pace and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just going out for runs. I didn't even have a watch. I was just using my phone. And um yeah, it just I just loved it. Like and then my uh, one of my friends from I used to work with, he's like, You should jump in half marathon. So I'm like, Fine as well. I mean, I was doing like I got up to like a ten mile run, so I was like, Oh, it's a few miles longer. So jumped in the half and I'm like, and then he was like, Hey, you did good. You should just jump in a full. So it's only twice as long. So I was like, let's go for it. So, so I did. That's awesome. I love, I love hearing the stories how people seemingly fall into one marathon and say they will never do another one again. And then, you know, you just get addictive, just like you said, and get addicted to them and continue doing them and try to beat your own time. I would say nine out of 10 people that say they're just going to do one. It's never just one. <laughs> I've never met a person that says they're going to do just one. And that's it. They always end up doing more. At least the redemption one, right? <laughs> yeah, at least, at least, I would say yeah, at least two, you know, because, you know, you want to do get the first one all the way. And then, you know, once you figure, like, oh, I can do this. And then you're like, all right. And that's what it was for me. You know, you do one and you're like, well, how good can I do? How, how good can I get at this? And pretty soon you're spending all kinds of money trying to beat your time every year. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So Patrick, yeah. I asked you to come on our show because um, you're a little bit different looks wise from the average runner. Um, and I kind of want to compare you to Ryan Hall, not the old one that was running fast, but after when yeah. he started bodybuilding. So um, the name of the episode, we're going to call it uh, running buff. And so you are very mm -hmm. built yet you're super, super fast. What is your PR right now? Uh, in the marathon, I've ran 234. And in the half marathon, I've ran 112, and um, my 5K time is, is, is in great, so we won't talk about that. So, And at what weight are you doing these times? Every race I've ran since I've been running has been over 180 pounds, and when I ran, uh, actually ran 235, was a little shorter than my PR. I was 188 in um, Chicago uh, last year in 2019. Wow, okay. And then, um, you know what, I actually think I saw you in Chicago last year, and I think I saw you. What corral were you in? Um, I was in A, I believe. Okay, and I was not in A. I must have seen you walking towards A. Probably. Yeah, I think, yeah, last, uh, last, last year I was, I got to the corral so late. Like, me and my friend, we weren't staying too far from, from um, um, where the, the corrals were, and we're like, we got plenty of time, and I want to say we left our hotel at like 6.15, and that was way too late. And I thought we were closer than what we really were. And we were like, we had to, our, my warm up was essentially jogging with like my check bag to the, the corrals. And I remember like all these people were, were, we were in front of us were people that were like in the further back corrals. I didn't see anybody with like an A corral bib on. So I was like freaking out. Like people are like, yo, what are you doing? You're supposed to be like in your corral by now. And I'm, I literally was like in panic mode because they, they won't let you into the corral. Like once you get to a certain point, you know, and 
they make you start start towards the back. So um, yeah, you probably saw me running late. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy. I had never been to a race that had that type of security where you just had lines and lines and the people checking you. That was kind of out of the ordinary. It's, it's chaos. Like if, if you've never been to it before, like, and it's Chicago is different. And uh, of all the, the big mar- marathons I've done, it seems to me like Chicago, I mean, it moves pretty fast, like the, the lines, but it's like, if you're, it's your first time, it's like pure chaos. Oh, yeah, yeah. You really got to be there on time. And I, like you, stayed pretty close to the starting lane. But luckily, I talked to a girl that I knew the day before. And she said, oh, there is a different type of security than you're probably used to. So I made sure I woke up early. But man, that was uh, relentless. Yeah. And it's so much like in in Boston. Um, Boston might be a little more controlled, I guess. I just I call it controlled chaos. but yeah, it's it's Chicago's a great race. I've done it. I've done it uh, five times. I've done Boston five times, and they're, uh, they're, they're they're the best races, the big city ones. And this um this whole pandemic thing, like it makes you really miss like those races and uh, the crowds and just like you know seeing people from Instagram that you've become friends with. And it's just I, I miss all of it about about the the running world right now. Yeah, I agree. And what are your, um, what is your, or what was supposed to be your next race that you were training for? Man, so it was supposed to be, it was, it was Boston in, uh, in, in April originally, then I got moved, then it was Boston in September, then that got canceled, then it was Chicago, that got canceled, then I was on up for Indy, that got canceled, and then me and my coach were like, um, you want to do CIM, because that is still, still going on as of now, and um, I was just like, Dude, I'm not gonna sign up for anything right now. Like, I'm just gonna see what happens, and um, so it might be CIM or it might be a uh, um, something else. I'm kind of just seeing what's gonna happen, what opens up, and because um, we, we, we really don't know what's what's gonna happen between now and the year. And but if I had to guess, I just don't think there'd be any bigger races this year. There might be. There's some smaller ones that are popping up that are they're going on, but they're only like a couple hundred people at that. Um, I have an athlete doing uh, the last chance BQ marathon in Grand Rapids. And um, that's still, uh, it's going to go, go on uh, in like two weeks, but there's only a hundred people in that race. So, so I can't see them doing CIM. In, right. Uh, right. So such a big one, but um, at your, at your speed, are you considered sub elite or elite? Uh, it's, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> you could ask a, uh, a pro and they'd be like, no, you're not civilly. So like there's, it depends on who you ask because different people have different um, ideas of what sub elite is. Um, some people might say, you know, like a low 220 guy is sub elite because they're not really um, the fastest in the world, but they're like the next tier. But um, for an amateur runner, I'm, I would say, sure, I'm in that category, I guess. Um, depends on the races too. I mean, there's races I could go to where I could place in the top five or even win. But then if you go to like a race like, you know, Boston, you know, I'm placing just inside the top 200. So it just goes to show you the uh, level of talent that are, is out there. And uh, it's funny, people on like Instagram, like, yo, you're, you're so fast. And I'm like, no, you got to look, there's people on in, uh, in Boston and Chicago, these races that are, they're so fast, like all over the world. There's so many like talented runners out there. And, but that's what I love about racing is uh, it brings out the best in you and um, you can get, run your best time, uh, run against the best. Right. And I mean, for most of us, your Instagram followers, you are elite because 
anything yeah. sub two or three, you know, 245 for men probably were in awe by, you know, how are they able to run this fast? And um, so let me ask you, what is your training philosophy? Build a good base. And um, one thing my coach instilled upon me was um, it's better to be undertrained than overtrained and in, in, in running, you know, because it's running is it's really about fine it's about writing that line of you know pushing people to their limits but not push them over and that's the one thing i found from um working with with people is is because everyone's different that i work with and um it's really about you want to get the most the, the most out of people but you don't want to make them hate you or hate running either so that's that's kind of my thing and um my thing too is you want to make people in, in, enjoy running you don't want to make them like, wow, this, I, I hate this. I don't like running anymore. You want to be able to find that balance between they love to run still and they love to, you know, push themselves. So that's kind of where I stand as a, as a coach. I like that. That's awesome. Were you always into weightlifting? And um, when you started running long distances, it was something that you did not want to give up or did you just kind of use it as a cross training? No, I played football my whole life. So when you're a football player, you know, you're always in the weight room, you know, trying to, you know, get stronger and get tougher. And, um, and then even once I was done playing, uh, in, in high school, you know, I was still at the gym just cause you know, you, you're so used to working out and stuff. So I've always had that um, lifting aspect of my life. So I didn't really want to see it go. And, um, I didn't really think too much of it when I was, when I was uh, starting out running, I was just like, you know, just a guy who lifts that, that runs on the side and, um, but now it's like all these years later, I feel like I'm more of a runner now who lifts versus when I started it was the opposite. I was a weightlifter who ran. So it's kind of how the, it, uh, it's changed a little bit, but, um, I love doing both. That's, that's all I got to say. Yeah. 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 So, um, since you're a coach also, as you've mentioned before, you coach, uh, your athletes time, what do you tell them about, um, weightlifting and how it can complement running or how does it work for you? Well, thing with like a lot of uh, a lot of coaches, they'll tell you not to, to lift because you know it, it, well, it depends on like the level of run you're at. You know, if you're a, a world class athlete, you're not going to see guys in the in the gym. You know, like you won't see Kipchoge in the gym trying to you know bench press a lot of weight. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, you know, because they're trying to be as light as possible to be as fast as possible. So, but for for the average runner, um, it's it's more of you know I think. You spend time in the weight room, like you said, it can complement uh, the running. You know, it keeps you um, from getting injured as often. I mean, I'm in the gym, you know, three or four times a week, and I've hardly – I could probably count on one hand how many times I've had to miss more than a few days of training in the past eight years. And I think I really attribute that to um, being in the weight room and keeping keeping your, your body, you know, in shape. And um, you got to take care of your body. You know, you can't just, you know – think that, you know, you're young and you're, you can run and not get injured because it's, it's not the, the way I see it. You know, you have to be uh, proactive with, with the weight training to, you know, keep your body um, able to withstand the demands of uh, being a runner. Right. And so on the flip side, have you ever considered not doing it because you feel like the muscle mass could negatively impact your training or do you feel like in general it just makes you a better runner? I can't say how many times I've been asked this question and how many times I've thought about it. And it's like, 
I don't know. I, I really don't know like what the answer to that would be. I mean, I'm sure I thought about if I stopped lifting, you know, how much faster could I be, you know? And, but for me, it's just like, I, I couldn't imagine myself like losing like 40 pounds. And honestly, I'll, I'm cool with whatever time I run at my weight, you know, as my end game, you know, but people are like, Oh, well, if you lose all this weight, you know, you could get close to the Olympic trials uh, standard. And I'm like, Maybe so, but there's no guarantee. I mean, with lighter weight, I mean, you're more prone to being injured. And like I said, you know, my injuries are very low um, for the amount of uh, time I spend in the gym. And I really think that helps me, you know, stay injury free. Right. No, I agree. Especially if, um, if you're not trying to be one of the top athletes, if you're doing it kind yeah. of a recreational thing versus if you're, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. Although, you know, nowadays, marathoners, look at Kiptogi, I think he's 34 years old. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a little, I think he might be like 36 or 37. Oh, whoops. Yeah, he's a little older, but um, yeah, he's, he's um, definitely an impressive guy, you know, to still be running like so strong. I can't wait to see him in the, the London Marathon. And uh, I think it's in a few weeks with, um, uh, was it Bikel, I think. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. So um, what does your daily training look like with that? Do you work out and do strength training on the same days as your runs? Or how do you do a regimen that keeps you safe and healthy? Well, before the, the pandemic hit, I mean, it was, it was, I would go to the gym and, you know, I would, because um, I run every day. I've been running seven days a week for the past couple of years. I mean, I take, I take days off here and there. I take recovery weeks, but on the average week, it's, it's uh, usually seven days of running. Just because the amount of mileage I need to get in for my my uh, my training, it requires you know seven days of running, and um, for 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 me, it's I've, I have to play around. It depends on where I'm at in the cycle. You know, if you're like in the thick of you know like four weeks out of, uh, from from a marathon, I mean, um, I'll be doing probably less strength training than I would be versus you know towards the very beginning of the cycle. And for me, it also depends on like, what type of workout. So I have a five really hard workout like. Sam doing like a 18 mile long run with, you know, eight or nine miles at marathon pace. You know, I'm not going to be in the gym, you know, lifting very heavy the day before. Um, I try to, you know, balance it out or they, I can do both, but they don't hurt one another. So I won't kill myself in the, in, in the weight room too, because it will uh, impact me negatively. And when I'm running, so it's really about finding balance and I'm always um, switching. Sometimes I'll work out before I run. Um, sometimes I'll do the opposite. It kind of just depends on how I'm feeling. You know, uh, sometimes the weather has an impact on that. Like if I, if it's negative 10 degrees outside, I'm just not going to work out that day because I'm just going to be so cold from, from running. So really all depends on the day, I guess. Right. So what would you tell a new runner, a potential athlete of yours, if they wanted to come in and say, Hey, Patrick, I've been lifting, but I want to I see you working out and I see that you can also be buff and run at the same time. How do I continue doing that without losing so much weight? Because it's like you said, once you get your mileage up to 60 miles a day, I mean, I'm sorry, 60 miles a week, you basically just eat away. I know when I'm at that level of mileage, I just eat and eat and I don't even care what I eat and I don't have to watch the scale at all. Yeah, you have to, it's, it's really about finding balance in the gym and, you know, making sure you're getting enough calories. And I mean, if you're, if you're running, like for me at my peak, I'm running 85 miles a week. I mean, you can't expect to maintain, you know, your muscle mass and your size 
you know, eating just, you know, 2000 calories a day. I mean, even when I was like, when I was working in the, in the warehouse, it's a very physically demanding job. There'd be, you know, I'll be working 40 to 60 hour weeks, you know, burning calories like crazy in the warehouse because it's a very demand, physically demanding job. And then on top of that, I was doing, you know, uh, all the, the running I was doing and the weightlifting and you combine those all together. And, um, I don't really count calories, but if I had to guess, I was taking in on, on some days, probably, you know, three to 4,000 calories, like minimum, just <laughs> to maintain my size. I know it sounds like a lot and, um, it is a lot and you really have to, you know, eat well and take in the right things and you don't have to eat perfect. I don't eat perfect, but, um, you really have to eat more. Um, if you're obviously if you're burning more, it's basic knowledge, I guess. Um, yeah, that's what I, I, w- I would, I would say to them. What are your go-to meals in that case or go-to snacks that you have, say, when you're working at a warehouse, something that can you stick in your pocket and have it? Um, a donut. A donut? <laughs> um, I, just like uh, I have pretzels. I have, I'll have just um, like some, some almonds or something, just something real real quick that I can always you know, pop in my mouth real quick. Um, pretzels, nuts. Um, I have protein bars. I Cliff bars I have. Um, I use those. I think those are great. You know, sometimes like, you know, I'm just like chilling around the house, whatever. And, you know, um, I'll just get a cuff bar and throw some peanut butter on there. And, you know, it's, it was like 250 calories and it's quick source energy. So I like those. Those are my favorite. Nice. All right. But I want to go back to, um, you were mentioning all those races that are canceled ultra marathons. Have you ever considered or looked into doing one of those? Um, I thought about it, to be honest, I, I, it's not something that's like, I want to, you know, knock off right now. Um, you know, you only have speed for so long and, you know, I want to really want to maximize like my racing potential for, for marathons and, and under right now. And, but I wouldn't say no to an ultra. Um, I don't know about like a hundred miler, but I would certainly consider 50 K. I mean, it's only like five more miles than a, than a marathon, but, um, Definitely, I don't really have interest in like a hundred mile race. <laughs> I mean, at least right now, I just I know it's uh, I, I respect people that, that that do those. It's just I don't know if I would like running after that. <laughs> right, right. No, and I mean, especially now with races still being canceled. Yeah. That continues eventually. I think most of us will start looking for ultras just because that seems to be the only thing that's small enough to not be canceled. Yeah, it's like ultras and like trail races. I've seen those are, are are still going on too, and neither of which I'm really into at the moment. We might not have a choice if that's all we have to choose from, you know. That's right. That's right. Last question. So, if uh, if races are to start again, hopefully by the beginning of next year, what's in store for you for 2021? Um, definitely, probably Boston in uh, in April, and then um, if 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 not just Boston. I'm considering doing Houston as well. So I would do Houston in January and then um, do Boston in April. So those would be my, my two marathons next year. And then probably Chicago in the fall. Awesome. All right. So if people want to find you online or get in touch with you um, to train with you, how can they do that? Are you going to hop on to Instagram? And my Instagram handle is I run 26.2 underscore underscore and um, I have a link there to uh, my coaching um, if you're interested in that or have more information on McCurdy Trained. And I'm also on Facebook, just my name. You want to pop in there, search it, Patrick Cutter, and uh, I'm on there. But mainly I'm on Instagram. So if you have any questions, just feel free to you know, shoot me a DM on there and I'll uh, be happy to get back to you. Awesome. All right, Patrick. Thank you so much for all your advice and input. We really appreciate it.
Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Right, you too. Bye. Thank you, Patrick, so much. That was an awesome interview. We really appreciated your your input and your perspective. Yeah, your perspective was awesome, especially when you um, taught us or you're teaching our listeners that it's okay to not want to drop 40 pounds to be running a faster marathon, that sometimes you should just be okay with who you are because that makes you you. I mean, of course, all of us could lose 40 pounds and we would be faster because how could we not if you're carrying a lighter weight with them? you know, your muscles across any kind of finish line, you're going to be faster, but that's not necessarily the the right fit for everybody, especially given that we're all athletes, but we're not professional athletes, meaning that, you know, we're not trying to qualify for the Olympic trials or beyond that. Yeah, it's such an interesting perspective because it's it takes that body image that we have of a runner and how we see a runner as this thin, frail, kind of a, not frail, but you know, very thin. Oh, I, I keep bringing it back to Ryan Hall, but please look up a picture of Ryan Hall when he was running in his prime and look at him now. It looks like two totally different people. And it, it's just such an interesting perspective that he is able to run at this fast capacity, but be at this heavy weight. And it kind of, it just... It takes down all of these different myths and all these different thoughts that we have that exist about runners. You know, maybe it isn't so much the weight. I think, yeah, maybe the weight has a factor, like he's saying, but maybe not everything. Like maybe these, the his muscle mass and his his muscle capacity and strength is what's helping him and propelling him to be able to run at that level. I mean, I know myself personally. If I were like my prime weight is probably fifteen pounds less than what I am now. And I was no faster then. And I have, much, I have much more muscle mass now. So it's like, you know, is it really all that of a difference? Because when I was at my prime, I looked into that and I was trying to get at like an even lower weight. And I and and trying to see, I was calculating because these, there are these different calculations that exist that can determine that you'll be faster if you have this much weight down or this much weight up and, and how all that, of that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. So – is how true is that? I agree because um, I agree with you that there's so many different factors that go into it and not necessarily a weight. Like I said, you know, I, it does make sense that you would be faster when you weigh less because your body just has to carry around less weight. But at the same time, if you weigh more, like you said, maybe you have grown more muscle mass and that certainly can help too. Um, and all the other factors that we've learned about so much with VO2 max and your heart and yeah, all of that. I think he made a really good point too that he's injury free. You know, that's a really good point because he has so much strength in his legs. He, you know, he's doing all of that that strength training to prevent all of these different injuries. That when you are much thinner and you're not doing the strength training like the standard runners, that they're much so much more prone to, to injury. So the topic being body image today, let's give our listeners some tips on how to accept and love your body. All right. So number one, and that goes especially for the millennials out there, take a break from social media because, you know, those kids, they grew up with social media. They had it, um, well, not all of them, but, you know, the younger kids 
grow up with it, have it in school and all that stuff. And you know how social media works. You post the pictures that you like when you're happy. You don't post anything when you're having a sad day or when you don't feel like you look pretty. So everything that's being fed out there is basically stuff that makes you think, oh, this should be the norm when it truly is not. And we know that because we didn't grow up with it like that. But when you're a kid and that's all you see, that's pretty hard. So I would suggest take a social media break because that way you can kind of re push the reset button in your head if, if, if needed. And that way you don't look at all these people that you think, oh, I need to look like them. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest thing with that is you're comparing yourself. So maybe for the second one is, well, I would say 1A <laughs> as part of yours is, is not to compare yourself is the biggest thing. You know, comparison is the thief of joys. When we compare ourselves in our life to someone else, we're taking away the joy of what we're experiencing in our own lives. Okay, and number two would be to get more in tune with yourself. So to get more in tune with yourself and what you like, opposed to comparing yourself to other people and thinking that you need to live your life or and do things a certain way or dress a certain way or act a certain way or have certain hobbies because that's what everyone else does or that's what all your friends do on social media or that's what everyone around you does. But instead doing what you think is best, like, you know, even bringing it back to this guy, Patrick. He's a runner. He's really fast. But as a runner, he wants to still weight train. That's awesome. Yeah, and my next one goes right along that line. Um, focus on healthiness and feeling good. So instead of, you know, trying to figure out how to work your scale and always focusing on that, just, I mean, put it away and focus on just eating healthy and creating healthy habits. And, you know, honestly, that's what I've been doing for the longest time. I never had scales. I got a scale for when I was pregnant because I wanted to see this dramatic weight gain. And then I kept it for, I think, two months afterwards because I wanted to see the dramatic weight drop. <laughs> and then I packed it away because, you know, I was feeling great. I was starting to run more and I was feeling good. So, There's nothing that the scale can tell me that I don't already know about myself. If I'm feeling good, then I don't really care, you know, what the scale says. And to me, feeling good, of course, also included my clothes are fitting me well. So I know I'm probably where I want to be. And that's a factor. But, you know, that was important to me. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We spend so much of our lives defining ourselves by numbers and titles like our weight or our waist size or our grade point average or our titles at work or, or different degrees that we achieved and letting that define us and that's not really what matters. So I'll say the fourth one would be do more things that bring you joy. So do more things that really make you happy, whether it's baking or going hiking or going swimming or whatever it is that you really that you like, even if other people don't like it. That's okay. Do more things that you like. And then I think it'll even help you to boost your self-confidence if you do do it by yourself. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. That's not a weird thing to do more things by yourself. It's going to make you more self-sufficient. It's going to make you more independent, more mentally strong. Yeah, I agree. And then you celebrate your achievements. So as you mentioned, cooking or baking, if you've made a really cool birthday cake for someone, then you celebrate that and it'll make you feel better as a person. If you've gone on a hike and you've gone, 
you know, further than you thought you could, or if your altitude um, tolerance was better than you expected, then, you know, celebrate that. Just do your accomplishments. Be you. That's awesome. I love it. And then for number six, I would say do a new challenge. So do something – yeah, do th- do things that you like. Definitely, I agree. But then I think do something completely different and step completely out of your comfort zone. And don't be afraid to fail. Allow yourself to fail. You're, you're going to get so much stronger as a person when you allow yourself to fail and you're able to recover from that and recognize that you learned something new and now you're a stronger and better person because of that experience. What I did today, kind of on that note, I told Letty about this earlier, is I filled my tires in my car with air. <laughs> and to some of you, that may be nothing. But to me, that was a really big achievement. <laughs> that is an accomplishment. And that's probably even better. You know, I, I care much more about that, Angela, than you telling me <laughs> that you lost two pounds. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> See, this is how we learn to accept ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And then um, also another one that I have um, read online just very recently is that you don't only need to respect your own body, but also other people's bodies. So, and then that just goes into um, practicing kindness as well. If you look at somebody that you've never met before, you notice things, you notice um, inevitably certain things about people's looks. So correct yourself and say, hey, um, you know, if you think somebody looks too skinny, too big, then just say, that's just them. You don't know why they're that way. You don't know if it's by choice. You don't know if that's how they are naturally. And it doesn't take away from them being a good person, a happy person, or a person that's right where they need to be. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point that you bring up, Laddie, is maybe people were judging ourselves so hard, and then we're judging other people so hard. Like we spend so much of our time judging other people and wasting that energy and then maybe that's a reflection of how hard that we judge ourselves. We feel like we need to judge everyone else so much more strictly because we're judging ourselves that way and and why? Why are we doing that to ourselves? Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's um, probably part of this society because we're living, as we always joke, in the first world country where – you know, now we have the pandemic, but before that, we don't really have any kind of trauma that happens to our country here. And and I say that because um, I had an experience as a teenager. I was living in Germany, Germany's Western world country, and everything is fine and dandy. And I, I was a teenager, like I said, talking to my parents, arguing with them why they wouldn't buy me certain name brand shoes or whatever it be, and them just trying to make a point, you don't need that. Then flip forward a year, Fast forward a year, we moved to Ecuador and it was a very shocking experience because all of a sudden you live in a third world country where, you know, it was during the time of El Nino, the weather phenomenon, where one day there was cardboard boxes as houses where people were living and then the rain came and the next day there was nothing there. And so, you know, that that really puts stuff into perspective. Like, here I am, spoiled little teenager, complaining about not being able to get certain shoes for my parents when there's people literally drowning in the water and having absolutely nothing, no electricity. And that certainly snapped me out of it. And I just feel like we're lucky to live as comfortable as we do here right now, but it really doesn't help us with the whole body image thing, you know. Well, maybe it'll change. 
you know, like you said, like you had that amazing experience and that it's really humbling. It's really humbling and it, it, it takes away all levels of pride from us and it changes our perspective completely because we realize what it's like to have a lot and what it's really like, like to have so much less. And then so maybe this pandemic is going to cause us to recognize that and, and to see so many more things that we should be grateful for. Yeah, not take everything so for granted, for sure. Yeah, so maybe that'll help us um, not be so spoiled and, and that, you know, some problems that we have, they're not really problems. You know, we complain about like, oh my gosh, I gained 10 pounds. I mean, sorry, not 10. Mm-hmm. I gained two pounds this weekend. So what? Like, yeah. is there nothing more important for you to worry about? And if you really don't like it, then um, you can work at it if you want to. Yeah, exactly. Just being more focused on, I woke up this morning. You know, how many of us forget to to really appreciate that? I woke up. My heart is beating. My legs are working. You know, it's it's really a blessing. Mm-hmm. And then putting everything into perspective. Like, I get to go for a run today. At least yes. I'm not living in, for example, Spain when it was in complete lockdown that you couldn't even leave your apartment. Exactly. Such a good point, Letty. Breathing fresh air, all that stuff. So yeah. I think it's all about perspective and then, of course you know, with that learning to love yourself. I agree. So hopefully this podcast is letting you take, allowing you this opportunity to recognize how great you are, listener, (laughs) (laughs) and to realize all the things that you can love yourself for. Okay, let's now move on to a Q&A with physical therapist Brody Sharp. All right, so I'm here with Brody Sharp from Australia, our physiotherapist. Brody, thank you so much for coming back onto our podcast. Thanks, ladies. I always love to jump on the podcast, so thanks for the invite back. <laughs> of course. So I have a question from Jessica Berkeley. She says, I'm eight weeks pregnant with my first child and I'm overall healthy. What do I need to watch out for when I run over the next nine months as I gain weight to prevent injuries? Okay. Hi, Jessica. Great question. Um, First of all, like this question was tricky for me because I don't really specialize with pregnancy, but I do have the opportunity to connect with a lot of um, other physios who specialize in women's health and pelvic floor and that kind of stuff. So I did reach out to uh, uh, Fiona, who is the physio down under is her Instagram um, handle. And she helped me out a lot with this question. So she said that when it comes to pregnancy, high impact exercise isn't usually recommended for runners or isn't really usually recommended for pregnant women because of joint laxity. Like as soon as you become pregnant within the first trimester, there is a lot of increased joint and ligament laxity based on the different hormone changes. And so it's not usually recommended um, because those changes begin within the first trimester and more so in the second trimester. And uh, you did mention a little bit about weight gain as well. Yes, there is on average, um, you do increase your weight by about 16 kilograms. And what we do know about overuse injuries is if you do increase in weight, uh, it just puts more stress on your joints and more stress on the structures of the lower leg, which could increase the risk of injury. Um, So Fiona did recommend a couple of alternatives such as swimming, cycling, cross training. And I added in potentially like some power walking, even power walking up hills is a really good cardio alternative um but from a runner from a running physio 
uh, I do know that most people want to stick to running <laughs> and it's kind of like a real, um, it helps them mentally and it's a good like release for them to be out running. So in the early days, I'd recommend that if running is a must, then definitely work alongside your medical team, whether it be your GP or uh, whatever medical team you have on board, just to make sure that you're still strong enough, make sure that your pelvic floor is still strong and um, functioning correctly. And I'd recommend definitely not increasing mileage while you're pregnant because that would obviously increase the, uh, the risk of overuse injury. And if there is um, that joint laxity that is increasing as you go through your pregnancy, then increasing mileage definitely isn't recommended. Okay. And in that same sense, I'm assuming that um, when it comes to her pace, if she's an eight minute runner, that'll slowly go down. I mean, up. It's, it would depend. Like I would try and keep things consistent, but definitely try not to run faster. Definitely try not to uh, increase your mileage while you are pregnant. Stick at the, the base that you know, stick at the dosage that you know uh, you respond well to. And then if you start slowing down, if you start feeling more lethargic or if you start noticing any little uh, symptoms here and there, definitely get it checked out by your medical team. Um, and then we might have to get to a stage where we replace running with another cardio alternative. Perfect. Thank you, Brody. And how can our listeners get a hold of you? I, I think the first thing you can go to is just the podcast, the Run Smarter podcast, and you can learn all your stuff there. Perfect. Thanks, Brody. You're welcome. Thank you, Brody, so much. That was excellent advice. And to all of you listeners, if you have a question that you want to ask our Australian physiotherapist, please let us know, send us a message. And that's it. We're at the end of our episode. We hope you enjoyed listening to this, and we hope that you can boost your self-confidence, self-motivation, self-image, and happy running this week. Thanks for listening to this episode. As always, we hope that we were able to provide you with something of value. Make sure you like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Our account you can find under WGTR Podcast. Thanks. Until next time, have a great week of running.